You are listening to Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 15th of November 2020. This week, Paul talks to Rossendale resident and Rossendale Hospice volunteer, Dorothy Mitchell. She talks about running with the Olympic flame as a child, her long years of nursing, especially in Zambia, and how that sparked her writing with her new book, Old Nursing Times. Welcome back to the Weekend Wind Down, everybody. It's Paul Jenkins here with the Waffle Hour, and every week we speak to a new author or somebody who's written a book or somebody who's a poet or a performer, uh, and it's very rare that we get somebody from the Valley who is so well-known before we even begin to talk about them. Uh, but for many people in the Valley, I only need to say the name Dorothy Mitchell, and they know exactly who I am talking about, and I am. it's an absolute honour. Dorothy is on the line. Can you hear me dorothy hello hello how are you doing uh well welcome to the show this afternoon um i've got your book old nursing times in front of me but before we even get to your book um we should for those people that the very few people who don't know who you are in the valley um we should probably explore who you are uh you you you've uh, clearly as you've written a book called old nursing times uh you were you you started your career as a nurse didn't you Oh, I did, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, when, yeah, when I was 17. 17. So, you know, just a, a couple of years back, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and what was that like? How, was, how has things changed in those, in those years since you, uh, since you started your career? Well, we did a lot of cleaning. Is, is that true? A is lot that... of cleaning. Um, <clears throat> things were very, very different in these days, Paul. Mm. We we, um, we have much more patient contact than we love it. And there were things that nurses do today that we never, ever did. Uh, our, our entire life was spent keeping the patients clean, warm, comfortable, and, and feeling um, safe with us, if you will. Reassure the patient was the, the first thing that um, <clears throat> came over. And that, that had to carry on all the time. Uh, I, I never actually took blood pressure or took blood until I had two um, registrations behind me. We, we didn't rise to such um, dizzy heights. We were sort of, um, in a way, I suppose we were skivvies. The, the importance of cleanliness was such that um, for your first year, you never got out of the sleuth. It, it and sounds. Then when you when you got graduated from that, yeah, you got the bathroom. <laughs> it's a, it sounds like the bedside manner and the kind of hygiene of the hospital was the the main thing. I, I've noticed in the book you talk about like preparing for you. You mentioned about injections and things like that, uh, about stabbing oranges with with a syringe as a practice. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was what I mean. We did every everything we did was there was no um, pre pack anything it, it took hundreds of items in order to do a bath it, you didn't just yeah. grab a, a face cloth and a bucket and on you go you had to set a trolley and then you had to um take the temperature of the water and wipe your syringe and uh, there were no disposable syringes in fact the first disposable syringe i ever met was in africa 
and we didn't have them in England in these days at all. I think um, I think you've seen my questions in advance because I was about to ask you about Africa because you didn't you weren't just a nurse over here you you spent a lot of time in Rhodesia which of course we now know as Zambia but you so you spent a, a long period of your life working over there in 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 a very different hospital situation didn't you Yeah well it was a very very interesting experience and it's something that I I've, I've valued all my life because so much of my afterlife actually came on the confidence developed on the backing of actually the amount of responsibility we had as nursing sisters in Africa compared to what was expected of us in the UK. People, you you had no uh, ward doctor or anything to depend on. You might have um, a ward uh, and each bed had a different doctor and they might not even live within your, your uh, you know, calling distance. They came in by plane or they came in by road because the doctor sent them. But but you have to be, I suppose it was a learning curve, but it, it was it was wonderful experience and it was a, it's a wonderful country. I, I can imagine. And there's a there's a great deal in the book. There's a lot of chapters devoted to um, sort of your experiences there because you, you have worked all over the world. You worked in the Royal Edinburgh Hospital for, for quite a while um, for the Hospital for Sick Children, which incidentally, bizarrely, I visited before, um, not not as a patient, um, as a performer. I, I went there once uh, to, uh, to to the children's world. So I've, I know that hospital quite well. Um, but you've, you've you've worked everywhere and it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, what we're going to do, Dorothy, is that you You've, you've chosen a few musical tracks for us um, as well, uh, and uh, and we're, we're going to talk about the, the more of your career because we're going to talk about Rossendale Hospice uh, next. Um, but uh, you've chosen for us uh, Mull of Kintyre by Wings, uh, Paul McCartney. Um, what was it about that song that you you really liked and thought you'd choose? Why why, you, why did you choose that one? Well, it became popular when uh, we moved to live in the Lake District. And then, strangely enough, the children, they, they went to a small village school. There were only nine children in the school. Uh, and um, they had a song. And, and for a while, it just sort of um, was part of our daily um, life was the Mull of Kintyre. And then um, the older children would sort of draw a deep breath and sort of, oh, not again, <laughs> as proceeding to, um, you know... Uh, Sing forth their own little song about their own little school. Happy memories of Mull of Kintyre. I, I love the idea that Mull of Kintyre, even though you weren't at the Mull of Kintyre itself, but the Lake District is a very good substitute. I think that's a lovely idea. <laughs> okay, here's Mull of Kintyre. This is Wings. At home, in the office, in the car, wherever you are, you can listen to one hundred four point seven Rossendale Radio. Welcome back to the Weekend Wind Down. It's Paul Jenkins here, and my guest this afternoon is Dorothy Mitchell. Uh, we've been having a chat off air about uh, about the wonders of technology and and trying to get things working during a lockdown. Uh, and uh, you <laughs> you were saying to me, uh, Dorothy, that uh, it's because um, uh, obviously the the lockdown's in full force, and it's it's a bit of a shame that you can't come into the studio this afternoon, isn't it? Well, it's not really a shame because I, I didn't have to dress up or have <laughs> my hair done. Which is which is exactly what people do for radio. We have all this all the time of uh, of say we're coming on the radio, and the amount of people say, "Well, I'll make sure that I get my hair done." I was like, "This is radio." <laughs> well, 
Uh, now, people throughout the valley will know you uh, as uh, I mean, you. I, I was looking through, just did a, a quick Google search earlier on, and I put Dorothy Mitchell MBA, MBE in there, um, and uh, and there's a reason that you have been so highly regarded and recognised, um, and that's because of your work in the community, and you were instrumental in in one of our partners that we talk about all the time here on Rossendale Radio uh, in the setting up of Rossendale Hospice. How did, how did that come about? Well, it, was, it, it came about in a very strange way, Paul, because I didn't intend to do anything like that. I was invited to help somebody um, whose husband was going to die, and she asked me, she said, well, I'll look after the living. You'll have to help me with the dying. Well, when I actually looked into it, there wasn't anything there. And when I looked a little bit further to it, it was a lot more complex than I'd ever thought possible. So I did a lot of research, and then then I went out to find somebody to see if anybody locally would be interested. And I was very lucky. Um, I visited hospices all over the country, and I spoke to doctors, and I read everything that was written about it. And then I, I prepared a paper, and then I first introduced it to the Srotsmiths. And they thought, yes, this is definitely something we could do. And the very first people, we met up again um, a couple of years back at the hospice when they had a, um, an anniversary. Mm-hmm. And it was lovely to see them again. Some of us are dead, but some of us are still begging on. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, the very first ones... Um, Mary Nuttall, Brenda Shufflebottom, um, Sheila Whip, all these people, they're still there. Chris Durkin uh, was one of the very first ones, and she's still vice chair of Osbis. So it, we're not all decrepit. <laughs> I, I don't think decrepit is the, is, the, is the right word from the amount you're still doing. <laughs> well, you know, we, we do knock on, don't we? But the, the thing about it is that we no sooner talked about it than the um, the sort of Rosendale mafia, if you will, got to, uh, in on the act. And, and then Jim Watts was next, with bringing Rotary. Mm-hmm. And then the churches came along, and the local doctors. And we, we were very, very, very fortunate that we were well supported, and we have something very, very special in Rosendale, which is something that not many people had at the time that we began because at that time hospices weren't what they are today no nothing like i mean palliative care is a massive medical specialty now and there is so much more that we can do for people who have a horrible diagnosis than in those days 35 years ago and we were first in lots of things that we did because in order to get the money that we needed in Rosendale, because we're not a big community, we had to move outwards and sort of sell our wares, if you will, in order to draw the money in to get ourselves embedded properly. And that made us pioneers in a way. And I, quite a lot of modern hospice care started in Rosendale. But I, I think you're I, right. I, you, you, they won't, you won't hear them bragging about that. And I didn't used to, but I do now because I can see... <laughs> What a lot that these these people from Throckmans to Rotary and the local churches did 37 years ago that and actually made us a forefront, forerunner 
in palliative care. I think you're right. And it's, it's when you were saying about that, um, I love the way you described them as the Rossendale Mafia. Um, it's uh, because you're right, the, the Rossendale community is not a big community, but I, my goodness, it's a strong community. And the, the way that even with uh, us here at the radio station, the community radio station, the amount of uh, community groups who get in contact with us because they want to share things or they want to share experience. And you find out that there is a group of maybe 30, 40 people throughout the valley who really do want to see everything succeed and will share things even if we have a toy appeal at the moment between kids in Rossendale and the Rossendale Community Support Network who are all bringing coming together and it's organisations working together like you said that, that can make massive changes in things like healthcare and and as you say it's, it, is, it is a big thing the way that hospice care has changed even in the last 20 or 30 years or so um, now that becomes a, a part of the of your, your experience and your memoirs are, are are all, all brought together in this book old nursing times and we're going to talk about that in the final part of the interview this afternoon um but you've you've taken us to um we, we were talking about our uh, stage to screen um uh, show which is on at seven o'clock this evening uh, and you've chosen a, a piece from a musical from aspects of love um but you've gone for michael ball's version of love changes everything why do you like this track i don't know it's just just the track i used to play in the car on my way up to the back <laughs> <laughs> when um, <laughs> it's a long way from here to Bethel. I, I like that. And, um, but, uh, for, for, for quite a few years, um, I worked on... on, on I, I actually worked out of Bethel in the community because when I retired, I, I didn't want to... Well, I was a workaholic, so um, I, I put myself into full-time work in, in the voluntary sector. So I worked in Bethel for a lot of years and I used to play it going up and down. It's it's nice actually when sometimes sometimes people give you these deep meaningful things that well I met this artist and this and it reminded me of this time and some people just go no I really just like this tune this is lovely um, and that's a perfectly good reason to like a piece of music this is Love Changes Everything by Michael Ball the frequency one hundred four point seven the area Rossendale Valley the station Rossendale Radio. Welcome back to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. This is the Weekend Wind Down. This is the Waffle segment, and I have with me Dorothy Mitchell. Uh, thank you very much for your music choices, Dorothy. We very much enjoyed a bit of Michael Ball there. Um, now, we're, we're talking about your book, Old Nursing Times, and I know you've got lots to, to tell us about it, but I, I just want to read a little bit from the About the Author session, uh, section, um, because at the, at the front it says Dorothy was a nurse by profession, forced by adversity into business. Now, retiring, right now, this is always the thing I find about people who retire. It says she had 80, 84 hours to fill each week um, and now physically decrepit. She, she doesn't see well, can't drive and is unable to be an active social pr- entrepreneur. Large print on Kindle and Sudoku being insufficient. She decided while she can still drive a desk, she would write about old nursing times. I would. I was warned this about you, right? I, I was told she's modest. She'll never sing her own praises. And I've got to say that 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 sounds like you're not filling up eighty four hours a week. You're writing an absolutely cracking book. I've had a read through this, and it is a it is a brilliant memoir. It's absolutely so entertaining. Um, wh- why did you decide that now was the right time to to write your memoir? Because I needed to find a hobby. <laughs> My usefulness has gone. I need to fill the time in, and and I, I thought, well, yeah. And then and then then the idea came to me that I could use COVID to, um, you know, push it on a wee bit. Did you only start writing when the pandemic started? Yeah, uh, 
I had actually written a little bit of it for my children uh, <laughs> because um, over the years, grandchildren have needed to know things for school, like um, the Olympic flame. And then I had to write then about Granny running with the Olympic flame. And then I had to write about my grandfather and, and the war and all these various things and what happened when. Because children come now with their home, home, homework project. Yep. Well, I have a lot of children and a lot of grandchildren. So I did have some of it in before. But it, it didn't... It, it has come out quite quickly, actually. Much more. I thought it wasn't going to come out till next year. I, I like I like the fact that when when you have that much life experience, you can throw in a sentence like "Oh, and when I ran with the Olympic flame," and that's just an ordinary conversation for you. That would be a whole interview for me. I'd, I'd be talking for years about how I ran with the Olympic flame. Was that was that through the valley? But that that, that in these days was no great. I mean, even me, me granny didn't come and walk. <laughs> it was raining like it was raining like mad, and and I, I was soaked to the skin. And the only bit that we really bothered about was, well, let me caught be dry for school next <laughs> They'd be making a fuss about it now, that's for certain. Yeah, well, but I mean, but I didn't realise until I watched it on television years ago and I thought, well, it wasn't like that in my day. No. It's, uh, but this is the th- the thing about the book is it, it I went from reading it and I, I only managed to get a copy yesterday. Um, but from I, I'm, I'm sort of been having a skim through sort of some of the chapters. But one of the things that is is lovely about it is it, it makes everything so very real, and it doesn't feel like one of those. Oh, it was better in the past. It's more no, it was just different in the past, and actually this was our experience. And that's what's lovely to read about this book is that there's there's so much to learn from the book without it sounding like oh it was better in the it's it's not one of those bygone days were better kind of books it's more a this is how we've got to where we are today and it's it's a re, it's a it's a lovely journey to read about nursing and how it's changed and and about your experiences within nursing and your life experiences um it really is a lovely book did you find it difficult to um did do you have notes from the past or things that you've remembered was it was it a struggle to remember all of this information I'm a lot better in 1950 than I am in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I suppose it must be. There's, there, there are things I suppose we all have engraved on our brains from our younger days. Um, I can remember exactly what I was doing when I was 12 years old, but I can't remember where my keys are today. Um, so we, we, yeah, we do find it a lot easier to remember those things. Um, wh- what, um, when, when people buy the book and people are going to buy the book, I'm almost certain of it because we're going to make sure they do here at Rossendale Radio. Um, where, uh, the, the, cause you're raising money for, for some charities that you're passionate about, aren't you? Well, we're raising the money. Well, the thing is, there's a limit to how much money you can raise in, 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 um, a community like Rossendale. Hmm. So the thing is, we have to look outside of Rosendale to, to get started, and and then to get the thing in in up to date, up to the minute, and get all the research done. We actually went outside Rosendale uh, and um, created programmes in Rosendale which we could, so I say, sell outside and bringing them back into Rosendale in order to feed the hospice. So in the beginning. We had to be completely sustainable in order that we could make enough money to take with the amount of money we could bring in from the community to make it work. Because there is, they don't get 
an awful lot now from the government, but they didn't get a great deal more than we did because we didn't get anything in the beginning at all. We did run to say how amateur we were uh, a really good service, but it was initially quite heavily volunteer-led. Mm. Uh, and so um, a lot of our money depended on bringing, uh, having grants which allowed us to create programmes to uh, sell elsewhere and then um, use the income that we made in order to set it up. And that's why we're an integrated care centre, not just a plain hospice. Um, because some of the programmes that we created um, have been replicated elsewhere. Um, one of the, the country programme, the main one, uh, went into 36 health authorities at the end of the research period. And that actually brought us in quite a steady income while it was growing and enabled us to be um, stable and then grow. But you can't, we can't go hand to mouth all the time. So it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, we didn't have to go around doing jumble sales all the time. Yes, we did. And we had to do dark patches and things <laughs> like that. But we did actually try to bring in out, outside money into Rosendale in order to grow what we needed and it worked. It's, it's like what you were saying earlier. It's about that, that joined up thinking and that those joined up communities are working for the same goal. And I, and I think it's, that is a, a lovely thing. And, and what's, what is nice about this book is it isn't, even though obviously your story is very much based in the valley uh, because that's where you are but it isn't it, it you know you can pick this book up if you if you're interested in nursing and i and i actually would strongly recommend this to anybody who's who's involved in healthcare because it really does give you an idea about you know as i mentioned earlier that journey of of where we've been and and where we're going next um dorothy it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you about the book we'll um, we'll make sure it's published by olympia um it's in their biography and true stories um uh, section uh, you can also uh, search for it online and you can uh, find a copy of it, how to get hold of a copy of Old Nursing Times. You've chosen a Nana Muscuri track to finish. It wasn't one we had in our database when we started, but we've got it in there now. Um, are you a big fan of Nana Muscuri? Excellent. Um, so, uh, D- Dorothy, uh, please, we'll we'll keep in contact with you. I'd love to find out about how the, the book's going on. And, and fingers crossed, when all of this is over, um, we can either get you to the studio or we'll get to you uh, for, a, for a face-to-face interview. I'm sure there's plenty of people uh, who'd want to catch up with you. But thank you so much for being my guest this afternoon. Thank you. Right, let's leave you with Nana Muscuri. 104.7 Rossendale Radio. And there you have it. We come to the end of another weekend wind down and the end of another Waffle the Bite Size podcast. And my guest this week was Dorothy Mitchell. What a great person to speak to. Um, absolute figurehead in our local community uh, and she's written this amazing memoir it's a brilliant book old nursing times i've had a, a look through it and i've had a, at the moment a skim read and sort of gone through chapter to chapter and my goodness whether it's her time talking about the edinburgh children's hospital or her time in rhodesia or, or about coming back and, and and of course all of her life since it's, it's it puts everything into context and it makes me understand healthcare as a non-healthcare professional i thoroughly recommend it to anyone who is involved in the care of other people uh, whether they're working in the nhs or elsewhere it's it's an absolute cracking read um my thanks again for coming on the show uh, and uh, fingers crossed we'll be able to speak to dorothy at some point in the future uh, out of lockdown that would be lovely to actually meet her uh, and maybe get her into the studio or we come and see you dorothy one of one of the two we'd, we'd love to find out how the book's been getting on uh, and of course how much money you're raising for local charities as you have done for so many years uh, my thanks to everybody at rossendale radio for allowing us to broadcast on a sunday afternoon uh, and to put together waffle the bite-sized podcast and of course my thanks to melanie kemp for all her work editing the show 
each week. We'll be back with you with another great guest next week. In the meantime, stay safe and we'll see you very soon.